Welcome to Tigers in 20, a Go Tigers 247 audio podcast. Your one-stop shop for all things University of Memphis Tigers athletics. Here are your hosts, founder of Go Tigers 247, Brooks Hansen, and lead writer for Go Tigers 247, Christian Fowler. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to this week's episode. I'm your host, Christian Fowler, and joining me as always is Go Tigers 247 founder, Brooks Hansen. Um, and if you notice that we're filming a little later in the week, it's because I've been under the weather. My voice still isn't right, so bear with me. Hopefully it holds up. I know it cracks anyway, so hopefully we can make it through this. But Brooks, let's start with really the biggest news of today, today being Wednesday. Uh, Brady White announced on Twitter that he will be staying for his redshirt senior season. How big is this news uh, for the team overall? And then obviously with it being Coach Silverfield's first year, how how excited do you think he was to hear that news? Oh, it's massive. That That's the biggest win that he could have gotten uh, since Mike Norvell left Memphis for Florida State. That That is his coach on the field. That's as big of a hire as a defensive coordinator, um, special teams coach. Brady White is essentially a coach for Ryan Silverfield, and he got that hire cemented today. That's massive for Memphis for the 2020 season. Yeah, I'm right there with you because when you look at what they have as far as quarterbacks go, uh, Connor Adair was the guy that kind of came in and mop up duty last year when Memphis was up big. Uh, you have Sheldon Lehman who redshirted, Markevion Quinn uh, who redshirted. I think he played in the South Florida game a little bit, but that was it. And then you have Keelan Brown coming in as a freshman, and he doesn't actually get on campus until the summer. He's not an early enrollee. So if you don't have Brady White, it's it's not good for this team because it's going to be a new quarterback regardless that has never played meaningful snaps. And now with you have Brady coming back. He can continue to mentor these guys. Uh, the, I think the season that he had speaks for himself, top 10 in passing yards and touchdowns. So you get that back, and you also get another year to groom a guy, and you know that he's gone after this year. So it really works out perfectly for Memphis's offense and for Memphis's staff because – they don't have to worry about filling that need. That would uh, take a ton of attention from the staff is grooming a new quarterback and getting somebody ready for game one, and now they don't have to worry about that. They have a veteran who's going to be in his third year as a starter. Uh, I know the system will probably change a little bit as far as you know wrinkles and stuff like that, but he knows the type of system they're going to run. He knows the personnel. Uh, also has DeMonte Coxie coming back, which is massive. So you have your leading passer, rusher, and receiver. Uh, it's just It's huge for this team to be able to keep him. I know he was, you know, leaning towards possibly leaving, uh, and this was ultimately his decision. And fortunate, very, very fortunate for Memphis because they definitely need Brady White next year. They have so much potential on this team, but as we know, the quarterback is the most most important position on the field. And Brady White proved this past season that he's he's a pretty dang good one when he's on. Well, and here's the thing, Christian. Let's look beyond 2020 for Memphis. Ryan Silverfield is going nowhere. Brady White may have only one more season left, but Ryan Silverfield is here to stay. And once Brady White is gone, Brady White being here next year, you know, being Memphis's quarterback, gives this staff the opportunity to groom a quarterback for 2021. It gets them the chance to get Keelan Brown into the system late, like you said, and see what he can do get him around Brady, a guy who's proven that he knows how to win and proven that he knows how to rack up numbers at an elite pace, uh, some of the best in Memphis history. Uh, And I would expect more records to fall next season for Brady White. So 
it's big for building blocks as well. So looking forward beyond Brady White, again, like we said last last episode, I think the biggest hire still remains, the biggest piece of the puzzle still remains, and that's defensive coordinator. Right now there's kind of a you know, multiple sources reporting a leader in the clubhouse. What can you tell us about that hire? Well, I've actually seen a lot of people, and and the the name is Mike McIntyre, who was at Ole Miss this past season as their defensive coordinator. And I've seen a few people kind of be down on the name. I think partially it's because it's Ole Miss, and Memphis fans obviously hate Ole Miss. But when you look at the stats, I mean, they didn't have a, a great defense last year. They weren't one of the top defenses in the SEC. But you really have to peel back layers on this to kind of see the full picture. Ole Miss was bottom of the barrel uh, not this past season, but the season before in defense. They were the worst defense in the SEC. I think they were one of the bottom five or six defenses in the country. Mike McIntyre came in. I think they were. I think they finished ninth in the SEC, top 70, top 80 in the country. So massive improvements under Mike McIntyre. Uh, before Ole Miss, he was the head coach at Colorado, was actually the AP Coach of the Year in 2016 uh, when they won the South Division title in the Pac-12. So Mike McIntyre's been around forever. I mean, he's been around the college game been at the NFL level, and he's coached some really good teams. I mean, those Colorado teams that he had, he had a couple of really good teams there. And like I said, the Ole Miss thing, uh, I know people are going to take it at face value, but you really have to look at it and peel back the layers to see what, what he did in only one season. Uh, it's it's hard to turn a defense around um, you know, overnight, especially you know, Ole Miss isn't getting the same talent that Alabama is getting. So, I mean, he didn't have a ton of talent on that defense, uh, turned it around for the most part in a good way. But I think the most important thing is to look at what he did at Colorado because Colorado historically is not an easy place to win. I know they had good seasons in the early 90s. I think they actually won a national championship in the early 90s, but it's not a place that's historically good. So he went there uh, and won Pac-12 South title. Uh, there's a t- If you look at the rosters that he had, there's a ton of NFL talent off of those rosters from the Colorado teams. And uh, to win a Coach of the Year award, I mean, obviously you're doing something right. So I think if they do uh, lock down Mike McIntyre as the defensive coordinator, that's a huge hire. That's another guy that's been around the game that can come in and help Ryan Silverfield, you know, being a first-time head coach. Mike McIntyre is a guy that's been there and done that at San Jose State um, and at Colorado. So I think that's a home run hire. I think you have to really, really look at what he's done in his body of work as a whole not just Ole Miss, and see that that is about as good of a hire as you're going to get at Memphis from a defensive coordinator. Well, let's let's look at something tangible that Memphis fans can understand. I think I heard it probably 10 times uh, this year on Film Room between you and Gabe Kuhn. Memphis is a pretty pretty much this past year, they were pretty much like a 28-35 to 35 point team regardless holding Memphis under that number was next to impossible. They were going to get to that number no matter what you did. You just had to outscore them to win. And Mike McIntyre's defense held Memphis to 13 points. You take away the Bryce Huff sack, and Memphis was only able to put up 13 points against that Ole Miss defense. And Memphis fans know how hard it is to stop that offense, and he did it. And that's that, to me – is extremely impressive. If you look at nothing else outside of his Coach of the Year award and that 13-point defensive performance by Ole Miss's defense in Memphis's opening game 
for the 2019 season, that's all you need to tell me to convince me that he's worth it. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean you're exactly right. And when you have to look at all these factors, and and like you said, those are the two most important things. That's really all you need to know. Um, but also, he's not going to be going against SEC offenses. And no disrespect to the American, because the American has some of the best offenses in the country. But he's not going against the same talent as he was um, at Ole Miss this past season. He's going against American teams with comparable talent. He did not have comparable talent at Ole Miss compared to the other schools in the SEC. When he's at, if he comes to Memphis and he's in the American, you know Memphis has arguably the best talent in the conference. So he stacks up well. He has uh, personnel that can play against who they're going against. He's not outmatched every week like he was at Ole Miss. So I, I think if it happens, it's a home run hire. It's a perfect hire, and I think you'll see Memphis's defense continue to climb. And Adam Fuller did an incredible job. Not t- trying to take anything away from him, but. Mike McIntyre is more experienced, and I think the defense would be even better if they can if they can lock down that higher, especially if you look at the talent that they have coming back on that side of the ball. Well, Christian, all of this football talk in January, when I've got three games on three different screens, feels a little off. So let's take a, a quick break and come back with some Memphis basketball and college basketball talk on the other side. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. All right, Brooks, so segue in from football to college basketball, obviously, uh, Memphis still in the top 25, number 21 in the country now after a loss to Georgia. They have, up to this point, I know it's only a second conference game, but you know throughout the year this is going to be one of their biggest conference games. Wichita State is probably the best team in the conference other than Memphis, and they have to go on the road to Kansas to play this team. It's probably going to be a packed-out, sold-out arena. Um, and I know Memphis fans are a little down right now because of the drop in the rankings and the second loss of the season. But where does this team stand right now heading into Thursday's game with uh, with Wichita State? Well, you know, they're coming off of a loss. They're coming off of a week of, I mean, let's just be honest, you know, from talking to people around the program, this has been a pretty pretty much a, Kenny, I'm going to require a beep here. It's been a cluster f- of a week. It is not prepping for a game like Wichita State where you've got to go on the road against a top 25 opponent at their house. It This has not been the ideal week. Memphis has had multiple players down with the flu. Uh, one of Penny Hardaway's former players and one of Alex Lomax's former teammates uh, was actually killed this past weekend uh, in a tragic accident. Um, you know, it's 
the focus has not been solely on basketball this week, and and that's not what you want to see going into one of the biggest games of the year remaining for this team. So you you combine that with the fact that they're coming off of a home loss against the team that they theoretically should have beat um, in a game where they were missing one of their best players in DJ Jeffries. So it's going to be interesting to see how Memphis comes out against Wichita State on the road uh, where you know this season typically they've started slow. Um, it's going to be very hostile. But the big big picture for me, I just want to see if these guys can face some adversity like they're facing right now and and still play well. That's just that's all I want to see. Like I, I'm not I don't even think it's a requirement that Memphis a requirement that Memphis win this game. I just want to see them battle. Wichita State is a legitimately, you look at it on paper, numerics-wise, they're good. Um, they're, they're very good. So the idea that Memphis has to go in and beat this team or blow them out for it to be considered a success with what they're going through right now, I think is a misnomer. Well, I think when you really look at it, I, mean, I know this team is obviously young, they're inexperienced, they haven't played a ton of road games but you talk about adversity, and this team has really had to overcome off-the-court, non-basketball-related adversity all season. I mean, they've been in the national spotlight for all the wrong reasons uh, with all the James Wiseman stuff, and there was really no effect to it. They were undefeated without Wiseman until the Georgia game, despite everything that was surrounding the program, whether it was with him uh, being ineligible or with him uh, filing a lawsuit or dropping a lawsuit or ultimately leaving the program. This team never really blinked. They just they just went in. They took care of business, and that's that's hard to do if you're a young team that's never really had to do something like this before. So I think even with everything that's going on this week with Damian Ball and DJ Jeffrey sick um, and everything non basketball related going on, I think you'll see this team respond well. And I think you have to say that based off the track track record of what they've done this season. That's that's all we can go off of is what they've done. Uh, it's been impressive to see the way that they've kind of fought through everything. So I think we'll see a lot of the same. Uh, Penny Hardaway and the staff know how big of a game this is. They don't have a ton of opportunities, uh, you know, throughout the rest of the season to face off against teams that are ranked in the top 50 of Kempom, much less, you know, in the AP top 25. So they know how much weight this game carries on a small scale basis as far as a conference win goes. And they know how much weight it carries on a large scale basis, you know, as far as NCAA seeding and tournament seeding goes. Uh, so they know what this game carries. They know the merit of this game. They know they need a marquee win after the loss to Georgia because I think you see uh, the skeptics coming out all over the country now. And there's multiple national writers saying that they shouldn't even be in the top 25 anymore, even after a loss to a, a not as talented team, but a still, still a talented team in Georgia. I mean, you have. Kentucky losing to Evansville and Duke losing to SF Austin and nobody questions whether or not they should be in the top 25 but Memphis loses to a Georgia team with the best player in the country um, and there's people saying that they shouldn't be in the top 25 anymore and that's a product of the young roster uh, of people still being skeptical skeptical of Penny Hardaway and of James Wiseman leaving because you mentioned this all on the episode last week when James Wiseman left everybody was kind of like okay Memphis is done they count Memphis out then Memphis loses to Georgia and everybody's really down on them. So this is a point in the season, you know, even though we're right at the midway point 
where Memphis has an opportunity to make a statement on a national scale, and it, they need it. I mean, after that loss, even being 12-2 and two, um, and still ranked as the highest team in the conference, coming out and, and beating the second-best team and the second-highest-ranked team in the conference against a very well-respected coach in Greg Marshall and a talented roster that really is disciplined and sticks to the game plan every week is really key for this team. I, I mean, I'm not saying that they, like you said, they don't have to come out and win this game. It's really just about how hard they fight and what they can show. But a win would be massive. I don't think you would have as many skeptics and as many people saying that they're not good enough or they're not a competitor anymore. Um, so there's a lot of weight that comes with this game, and it's going to be interesting to see how they respond. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about keys, and then let's talk about just some general basketball stuff. So one interesting thing that I took note of whenever you look at the analytics for these two teams Memphis and Wichita State are tied dead even at 13th in the country for the their adjusted defensive rating at 88.2. Number 13 in the country tied right neck and neck. Very, very similar defensively. Um, their overall offense, Wichita State falls in the 50s, Memphis in the low 60s, so they're right there together. Uh, one thing that is a little bit different uh, is that they, Wichita State is a very, very efficient team. They assist on a ton of buckets. Uh, Memphis and Wichita State, Wichita State's 69th in field goal percentage on two-point shots. Memphis is 68th. So this is a very, very even game. The, the big thing is that this is on Wichita State's home court. So – if Memphis can weather the storm in terms of just the adrenaline, the emotions of coming off a hard week, uh, Wichita State's crowd being extremely loud, if they can weather that storm, stay in it early, and make it a game, Memphis is good enough defensively to win this game. So I think the biggest thing for the Tigers to come out of Wichita State with a win, they've got to force turnovers they've got to defend uh and they've got to get out in transition those are those are my big three things yeah no I'm exactly there with you and I I think the probably to me the most encouraging thing that I heard during the press conference earlier this week um because if you noticed late in the game Memphis went from what they typically do which is you know pressing and man coverage on defense to a matchup zone and Penny Hardaway said that was on him, and that's something that he learned from the game is that they're, they're, they know their bread and butters on defense. I mean, they're one of the best defensive teams in the country when you look at nearly every advanced statistic. But they got out of their comfort zone, zone against Georgia when they went to that matchup zone, and it caused some lapses in coverages. It, it allowed some easy buckets for Georgia because guys were in positions that they weren't used to being in. And I think this, this coaching staff wants – the team to be multiple as far as defense goes, but they know that they're best when they can press, when they can get up in your face, when their guards can go make plays in, in man coverage and tight man coverage, not in that matchup zone. They're just not as comfortable despite having a ton of length and athleticism. What they're used to doing at this point in the season is playing that tight man, playing the full court press when they have to and not switching to a matchup zone. So I think when you see a head coach like, like Penny really understanding his team, you know, not trying to force different things, not trying to force them to do things 
that they're not comfortable with doing or they're not good at doing at this point in the season. I think it's very encouraging because especially going into a game like this where, like you said, it's an even matchup, it's strength on strength, it allows this team to be comfortable. And I think that's really what his goal is going to be is to let them play their style because there's a reason they're one of the best defensive teams in the country and it's because they're comfortable playing a certain way. So I think we'll see a lot more of that that tight press man coverage, that full court press um, to open halves and and towards the end of halves because that's that's what they do very well because of their athleticism. So I don't think we'll see a bunch of multiple defense, a bunch of switching them to matchup zones. Uh, and and I think a lot of that is because you have a guy like Anthony Edwards on the floor against Georgia. And although Wichita State has some good scores, especially Eric Stevenson who can who can really score at all three levels. They don't have a guy that's physically imposing like Anthony Edwards. So I think we'll see them kind of get back to their style and not go out of their comfort zone, which I think is important for this young team, especially, you know, midway through the season. Maybe when you get closer to the tournament, you can start doing more on defense, but they know what they're good at. And I think they'll stick to it against Wichita State. And that to me, that's what's encouraging. If they're able to do that and play their defense the right way, I think they can come away with the win. Well, Memphis against Georgia, they let a couple guys like Donnell Grisham, uh, Kamara, they let a couple guys get off some shots from deep that they shouldn't have gotten. You know, I think between those two guys, they were like five of eight from three. And, you know, that's well above those two guys in terms of their average of what they're typically putting up on any given night. So with Wichita State uh, on Thursday, Memphis has got to chase – Tyson Etienne off the three-point line. He's one of the best shooters in the country, uh, probably the best in the conference at 44%. I think he's shooting about uh, – I think he's hit 35 to 40 threes on the season. I mean, shooting at an elite clip, and his overall offensive rating uh, is extremely high as well. So, to me, I know you mentioned Eric Stevenson, but to me the guy that Memphis has to key in on is Tyson Etienne. So, uh, this podcast will will be published the morning of the game. It's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Coming up after this game, Memphis has a couple of very winnable games. Uh, so you, you know it's going to be it's going to be key that Memphis comes out of this game with at least some confidence. They've got South Florida, then uh, you know a, a game that's winnable because it's at home at Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Um, is not the Cincinnati of past, but they're a fringe top 50 Ken Palm win. I think they're right on the edge of being top 50 right now. Uh, then you've got very winnable games against Tulsa and a home game against SMU. So Memphis needs some confidence. They need to start building towards the, the second half of the season. What do we what do we talk about next? I mean, do we you, we, we want to talk a little bit of recruiting? Yeah, well, we can we can talk a little bit about this weekend with recruiting. I'll let you start on that because we yeah, got to, we so got this, we got to see some of the some of Memphis's top priorities for the next few years. Yeah, Memphis's uh, kind of premier spring event was the Memphis Hoop Fest, which is part of the Na- ARS Roto Rooter National Hoop Fest series. I think it's got two or three stops throughout the country, and part of that was an absolutely loaded field where. Uh, myself, Kenny, and Christian got to take in games for uh, IMG Academy, Briarcrest, Lausanne, uh, Montverde, um, 
Hamilton Height, you name it, the, you know, players that Memphis was, was recruiting uh, were on the floor at some point or another. So Musa Diabate, class of 2021, top 15 guy that Memphis has prioritized. Brandon Huntley Hatfield, a class of 2022 guy that will end up in 2021. Um, you know, who else, man? There's so many. Uh, Musa Cisse. Yeah, Elijah Elijah Fisher, who's a class of 2023 guy. Um, Langston Love, Dariq Whitehead. So many guys. So many. So many Memphis targets were there this weekend. So, to to me, one thing I want to talk about is the, the idea that you don't ever get to watch a prospect in a bubble. One viewing is not enough. So... For me, I've seen Musa Diabate before, and I liked him. And I saw him again this past weekend, and I was not so excited about the progression that I've seen. But then I take a step back and I look at IMG's roster as a whole. One, they're missing uh, Jalen Johnson. They do not have a point guard. Jaden Springer uh, was out as well. Jaden Springer was out, uh, still having issues with his ankle. IMG and all you know, nothing but love for a guy Trey, but uh, you know, he, <laughs> he might even say it himself. But IMG's a little bit of a mess right now, and so IMG didn't really do a lot of what they would typically do if their roster is fully set. And I think Musa Diabate kind of looked a little bit out of sorts because of that. However, the things that I loved seeing about Musa Diabate is he gets down into a stance. He's willing to guard. He can guard one through five. He's an elite-level shot blocker and rim protector. He gets out on the break, uh, runs like a gazelle. Uh, He's not the most skilled guy right now, but I think he could be a guy that develops into a guy like a Pascal Siakam. Um, So, I I like what he brings to the table. Who was your biggest standout of the event for the entire weekend? Well, I think think what you said was perfect about watching a prospect in a bubble, and you can never get a feel for what a prospect really is with one viewing. And uh, Lausanne actually played at Olive Branch on Friday night, and we were at Briarcrest, so we didn't watch uh, Musa Cisse Friday night. I talked to multiple people on Saturday – that said, he just wasn't that good. He he didn't really look like he had a motor. He didn't look anything but really athletic and like a shot blocker. And I, I haven't watched him in person yet, but I've obviously watched his highlights. And from everything I've seen, I was like, that just doesn't sound right. So then he comes and plays at Briarcrest on Saturday against Vashon, who I believe is a top 45 team in the country. They have Kentucky Sonny, Cameron Fletcher, uh, and a couple of other lower-rated prospects. And Musa had 31 points, 10, uh, 10 blocks, and 17 rebounds. And he was nonstop up and down the floor. I think everybody who's seen him can say that he's an elite rim protector. Uh, he he creates shots down low off the block. He he doesn't have a extremely developed post-move system. Like, he doesn't have a ton of post-moves, which most, most bigs at the high school level don't. Uh, but you can see where the development will be. You can see that he has the athleticism 
and and kind of the intelligence around the rim that that those will come, especially when he gets to the next level. Um, but I was I was really impressed by him because he wasn't he wasn't like a like I, I feel like people were saying were telling me basically that he was just a cherry picker, and he really was. I mean, he's up and down the floor. He's an elite defensive presence. He can score down low. He actually knocked down two threes as well. So he he showed that he can really play the three through five if necessary. Like he can play the wing because he was he was knocking down threes from the wing um, and stretching the defense out. So I was very impressed with my first time watching Musa Cisse in person, especially with the expectations I had coming into it with what people were telling me. So uh, was impressed by him. Can definitely see the potential there. Uh, definitely understand why he's one of Memphis's top priorities for the twenty twenty one class because. You can see all the raw ability and what he can turn into. I mean, he could definitely end up being a you know a top five, top ten pick. I would say at, you know right now he's easily a lottery pick because he has that type of potential. So for me, mine was mine was definitely Musa Cisse. Well, just to preview some things for people that don't know, we've actually been pretty busy from a recruiting coverage perspective doing some things that we've never done before. One of those things is that when we were in Dallas, we traveled to the uh, Dallas area-wide holiday tournament that was going on. Uh, Kenny and Christian got a chance to kind of do a behind-the-scenes, and we're going to call this series, similar to what we we did with Film Room, we're going to call this series The Locker Room. Big Uh, shout-out to Kenny for the naming. Yeah. So we actually start with Harrison Ingram. Our first episode will be a behind-the-scenes look at class of 2021 five-star Harrison Ingram from uh, Dallas, Texas. He plays for St. Mark's down there, a high-level kid, high-level athlete, obviously being a five-star. And then next up, in uh, about a week and a half, uh, Kenny and I will travel down down I-65. Kenny's coming down I-22. And we are headed down to Letahatchee, Alabama to uh, do a locker room episode with Jordarian J.D. Davidson. Uh, He's a top 50 four-star point guard in the class of 2021. Anybody who follows me on Twitter obviously knows that name pretty well. Uh, So starting with those two guys, got a lot more lined up. Going to be a pretty consistent thing that we do all throughout the spring and summer. So stay tuned for that. Christian, we've gone, what are we at now? We're at 30 minutes now. We've covered football, we've covered basketball, we've covered recruiting. For those loyal VIP podcast listeners, uh, we took a little bit of a break from VIP podcasting since things were kind of quiet. But uh, the next episode of... What did what do we call it? Tiger and B, Tiger Beham's VIP podcast. Well, whatever it is, volume like the that. next volume is coming up. So stay tuned for that as well. Christian, you got anything else? All good. All right, that's a wrap. Thank you for listening to Tigers in Twenty. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love for you to leave a comment and a rating wherever you download your podcasts. If you are interested in daily content all about the University of Memphis Athletic Program, please hop over to www.gotigers247.com. Articles are uploaded daily, and you can join the Go Tigers 247 family by signing up for the VIP membership for even more behind-the-scenes information. 